You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf, your host, uh, with this podcast uh, uh, sponsored by Healthicity. And today, I have such a wonderful guest, Ellen Hunt. Ellen, welcome. Well, thank you, CJ. Thanks for having me. I, I, you're very welcome. I met Ellen, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago at a conference and, oh man, she just got so much great experience and, and such a pleasant, pleasant demeanor and so grateful for her time today and her expertise. You're going to love her. So Ellen, what we like to do is we'd like to give our guests a little bit of time just to kind of explain a little bit about your professional background, where you come from, what, what you've done in compliance, what you're doing today, anything you want to share. Sure. Well, you know, I was one of those people who got voluntold into compliance. Exactly. I started out with a, on the payer side with blue, what was then Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois, and now it's Blue Cross Blue Shield of Illinois and a bunch of other states. But um, I was in, in house counsel and um, we got um, indicted on six counts of fraud under the False Claims Act. Uh, and as a result of that, we needed to change a lot of things um, and mostly really to have a compliance program. And so they said to me, hey, Ellen, will you, you know, will you do this? And I said I would. And I'll tell you, it's been it's about been a wonderful thing because I moved from writing memos to actually helping people put better processes in place and help people resolve issues. So um, in my career, I've been a chief compliance officer, a chief audit executive, and a chief privacy officer. And I've also worked for a large uh, uh, hospital system. So I've been on the provider side as well. And I have to tell you, CJ, I just find working in the compliance field and with other compliance professionals extremely rewarding. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And I love what you said about um, being involved in like implementing processes and procedures and, you know, meeting with people and making things go better. It's one thing to... Uh, and I respect all my lawyer colleagues who know the law and, and can do that. And you have absolutely have to have folks like that. It, it's kind of a whole nother career to like try to implement those things in a practical sense. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shift. And, you know, CJ, now I'm now I'm doing consulting, but I, I just see it as the next step of really helping people because we have clients that are providers, TPAs, device manufacturers and in pharma and you know, you'd be amazed sometimes how much the compliance best practices really apply across numerous different industries and business sections in, in the healthcare. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Ellen, I, when I was reading your, your bio, uh, so you're a JD and did, did you go to University of Illinois, Chicago? I did. At the time, though, it was an independent law school known as the John Marshall Law School. But okay. yeah, now it's part of USC and my oldest daughter has just uh, finished her first semester as a 1L there. 
That's awesome. Cause that's where I went to medical school. I'm, I'm from the Chicago area originally um, in the that's suburbs. Great. And uh, as I, I was going to mention that I'm like, Oh, we probably have some closer connections than we thought. <laughs> Six degrees of separation, CJ. <laughs> that's so true. Well, good. Um, so Thank you for that introduction. You know, we wanted to talk today, uh, everybody out there listening, a little bit about board oversight of compliance, right? And how their role um, is vital. Um, and so, Ellen, why don't you just kind of share, maybe set the, the groundwork a little bit about board oversight, their responsibility, maybe a little bit about Caremark standard, you know, these decisions that have yeah. kind of set the stage for board accountability. Yeah, you know, this is one of the things that I'm just I'm really passionate about because I think the board has an incredibly important role in in any in any company, but particularly in healthcare, which has absolutely been the forerunner in in innovations and changes and creating best practices and compliance. Um, you know, when you think about it, really the, the it's an evolving standard of the duty of loyalty. Uh, and I think it's important for every board member and every compliance professional to understand this. We started back in the day with the, you know, the famous Caremark standard, which was frankly just no standard at all, and actually yeah. described by the courts as the, the hardest claim <laughs> for a plaintiff to prove, but it was basically <laughs> utter failure. Right. That's okay. where we were in 1996. We've moved um, really to one of good faith in 2006. But really, the tide turned in 2019 with a case called Bluebell Creamery. Uh, and what's so important about it is the court really looked at what the board was doing. And here you had, if people remember, you know, Bluebell Creamery had that terrible listeria outbreak. Um, you had a board that never, ever talked about food safety. Right. And the court said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have really as, as members of the board, a duty of oversight and a duty of loyalty and care, which means you got to know what the bet the farm risks are for the organization and you got to be monitoring them. Right. And the, the flip side of the coin on that, CJ, is compliance professionals have to help the board do that. And yeah. so when you really think about it, you know, there has to be a risk and compliance system in place. It has to be working effectively on an ongoing basis. And it's going to highlight those mission critical or red flag risks. And, and management has to be held accountable uh, for those risks and, and, and compliance uh, results. And so you know, the days of, well, we had, you know, 20 calls to the hotline and, you know, right. half of them were unsubstantiated. That just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, and compliance professionals have really got to get focused on what are the risks and how are they educating their board about them? Yeah. And I remember that case for, for two reasons. I was in Texas at the time and I loved my bluebell ice cream. <laughs> and <laughs> Who doesn't? They had to take all that stuff off the shelf. But that, yeah. I'm glad you brought that case up because it really does drill home kind of the the maturing expectations of boards. Um, and you mentioned compliance officers and compliance professionals helping them. You know, in your role as a consultant, do you do that kind of thing? Like where you're you maybe called in and asked to train a board on, yeah. on compliance and their specifically their compliance oversight, like what questions they should be asking and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, we do. A, we do a lot of that. Um, we do a lot of board training, but also you know, the other side of the coin on that is we do a lot of work with, with uh, um, compliance officers who want to really elevate and level up their board reporting. So we're having a lot of conversations about how do you translate a dashboard that talks about activity to right. value? How do you connect it to the organization's strategy? How do you connect it to goals and meaningful KPIs? And how do you talk to the board in a way so that they understand that these things are connected, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so kind of the days of here's your deck and you just sit there and read your deck to the board, that's that's over with. Yeah. Um, boards are really demanding that the compliance professionals are knowledgeable about the risks uh, and, and can do deep dives on areas that impact the organization and are related to those compliance risks, whether that's, you know, uh, the OIG work plan, uh, cybersecurity, um, and another thing that's top of mind for every organization, even beyond healthcare, is attracting and retaining talent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you got to be prepared to be to, to provide substance and show how it adds value. Yeah, that's that's great insight, uh, Ellen. Tell us. So if I'm a if I'm a compliance officer out there listening to this, and I'm like, eh. I know I need to build that relationship with my board, but like, where do I start? Like, you know, it, it can be intimidating as a compliance officer to like try to go to the board and, and create that relationship. Any tips or things that you've seen maybe that have helped compliance officers with that building of that relationship? And I'm assuming it takes time, right? It, it doesn't happen overnight. It does. It takes time, but I'll tell you, it pays, it pays tenfold in dividends. Um, and so there's a bunch of things that you can do, you know, read their bios, find out, find out what your board members backgrounds are and what their interests are and try to right. connect with them on that level. You probably have a board that has a number of uh, experts. Uh, you can ask them, you know, what you can learn from them. But the other thing is most board members are very anxious to learn from you. And it sounds simple, CJ, but one of the most valuable questions that I have I've ever asked with a board member is, what would you like me to talk about? What mm. can I tell you that would, would matter to you? Right. It sounds super simple, but right, the truth but is it, it, cut, it cuts the wheat from the shaft. It gets yes. right to the point. And you know what? They're busy people. They don't want to read 20 pages. They right. want to know that you can condense, condense, you know, condense that information for them and tie it to the company's mission and purpose. Yeah. And when you can demonstrate that you're doing that, you know, I, here's a tip. Both Proactivity and Deloitte and all those folks have the top 10 risks for 2023. Here's right. another question. Which risk of the top 10 do you think is is number one? Yeah. I, you know, they, they're they experts. They, they'll love to tell you what, in their opinion, what they think is important. So don't be shy and just, yeah. just ask because you'll get invaluable insights of what matters to the board by doing that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, your corporate secretary or whoever is managing those meetings, whether that's the general counsel or you've got a separate corporate secretary office, you know, ask them. These people have a lot of information and expertise. What's the board concerned about? 
What what are they reading? What articles are there in the, in their reports? Right. Um, what what kind of speakers have they had? And then you can you know talk about that and express that interest. But I will tell you that having a relationship with the board uh, is is invaluable because there may be a day you gotta give them some bad news. Yeah, and you don't want that to be your first kind of experience with them, right? You you That's want exactly to exactly right. I think you're spot on. You want to have kind of built that relationship and and start like any relationship, right? Like what you just described is how you build a relationship with anyone. You ask them what interests them, you ask them what concerns them, you read what they're reading, you learn about their bios, you know, you, you know, how would you want to be approached? It's kind of like the golden rule, right? And so um, I love that, that it's not yeah. rocket science. It, it's just, but you have to do it. It's a little work. And, you know, probably your organization is a member of uh, the National Association of Corporate Directors right. or the Corporate Governance Institute or whatever. And and often, you know, they buy a corporate membership. Exactly. It's probably nothing for them to add you. And then you can get access to that information as well. And um, when you show up as someone who is interested and cares and informed, they're gonna wanna listen to what you have to say. That, that's so great. I, I do know though that some, I've talked to colleagues and they struggle just with getting time on the agenda. Um, you know, so it's like, you wanna make relationships, you wanna start asking some of these questions, but. How do you just get on the agenda in the first place, if, especially if your compliance program has never really, you know, like you have a compliance program, but it's kind of like, yeah, that's the compliance officer. They do their thing. The board does their thing. And you're now trying to get that connection. How do you get on yeah. the agenda? <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating because when I've been doing a lot of reading on, you know, well, what are the what's the future going to look like? Right. As we right. start a new year, that's the but the word for 2023 seems to be confluence. Right. And, you know, we were talking about silos a couple of years ago, but it, it, it's it's a, just a step further. And I bring it up in this context. If you can't get time on the agenda, then you have to figure out who does and why. Mm. So everything is about risk and being risk centered. Right. If you're not talking to the person who's running the ERM program and you're not talking to the internal auditor and you're not talking to your chief information security officer on a regular basis right. about what they're dealing with and what they're reporting to the board, then you're disconnected. That's right. <laughs> you're in a silo. And just as you said, CJ, oh, that's compliance. It's something that people can put over at the side of their desk and right. not worry about until there's a problem. And you got to get yourself to the center of the desk and you got to do it in a way that shows all of this is connected. Yeah. Right. When you think about the ability to attract and retain talent and some of the studies out there about the great resignation that people are really leaving because of moral injury. Right. Think about what the ethics and compliance department could do. Yeah. To to keep people. Right. Because there's also perspective survivors, right? Yeah, that's a great perspective, Ellen. And not only are you going to make the organization stronger with a better corporate culture, you're helping to increase the bottom line because it costs when people leave, regardless of why they leave. So you got to, you know, think about connecting, not just with the board members or the corporate secretary to get on the agenda, connect with your colleagues, because what you want 
is for the general counsel or the chief audit executive, or maybe the chief information security officer to say, you know, we need a report from compliance. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, you know, in all the publications, any of us that have been in compliance for a while, OIG recommendations, you know, they have all those publications about communicating with the board. It's in black and white, like the expert in DOJ, their evaluation of compliance program document, all of those documents clearly state that there needs to be communication. So, you know, if you really can't get over that barrier, there's something wrong with the culture of the organization, maybe Uh, if like you really, really tried and you can't get in, you almost want to start to think, is this really the right organization for me? (laughs) Well, and another thing, another way in is education. There is that practical guidance for healthcare boards uh, on compliance oversight. It was written by the OIG in 2015, but as you say, CJ, it's in writing. And sometimes Um, Your board members just either they need a refresh or they need an understanding. Right. I mean, I just I talked earlier about the evolution and of the standard that they're they're dealing with. And it really has increased. They have much more duties of oversight than they did in the past. So, you know, maybe you can't get on the agenda, but maybe as part of board orientation or board training, you can get 20 minutes to talk about how important it is for the board to exercise its duty of compliance oversight, which pretty much can't do unless compliance is on the agenda. (laughs) (laughs) This is so great. Ellen, we're gonna take a short break. Um, I'd love talking to you and we'll be right back uh, and talk some more. If it seems like the OIG is constantly making work plan updates, it's because, well, they are. Who has the time to stay up on all those new changes? We do. Each month, CJ Wolf issues a monthly OIG work plan e-brief to make it easy for you to keep up with all the updates coming your way. Head over to healthicity.com resources to check out e-briefs, webinars, blogs, and so much more. Now let's get back to CJ for the rest of this episode of Compliance Conversations. Welcome back, everybody, from, from our break. We have uh, Ellen Hunt here, an expert, and I called her a rock star. I, I could see you, you know, being a rock star. Do, do you have any music in your in your background? I have I have no music ability whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something about you. You've got some energy to you that I love. And I saw it when I first met you. You got some spark and some spunk, and that's cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So <laughs> we're... we're <laughs> oh, you're sweet. Uh, we we have been talking about uh, boards, uh, compliance oversight. Ellen's been giving us some great insights. And um, I want to now maybe talk a little bit about, okay, so we've established a relationship a little bit. We've been on the agenda. We've we've conquered that hurdle. Now you've got some bad news. What, you know, what if it's a key TAM? What if it's this or what if it's that? And it, you know, because you're going to not report every little bitty thing to the board, but material things. How do you start to deliver that kind of bad news? If, yeah. if you have so, so I really think the first thing is building that relationship and, you know, your board members will change. So that it's a constant thing. That's a right? good point. You're constantly working at that. But I, the other thing that I think is of critical importance, and this is one of the things you need to do beforehand, it, is you need a protocol. Because when there's something as serious as a quitam or the DOJ is knocking on your door, maybe it's the DOJ with the SEC. Right. Um, that is not the time to be sitting there figuring out who does what. 
Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about that um, OIG guidance for compliance oversight. One of the things that I think sometimes compliance officers don't do uh, and they're not aligned with their general counsel on is, well, what happens when the you know what hits the fan? Yeah. Uh, because what you then ha- sometimes have is chaos. Exactly. Everybody's anxious and they want Panic. they want to take act they want to take action, right? Yeah, exactly. And the problem is everybody thinks that they know how to help when right. really uh you gotta you gotta be very clear about your roles and responsibilities. And so it's really important to have a protocol about when you're gonna escalate, who you're gonna escalate to how uh, you know how you'll escalate and who will be involved in some of these cases it's appropriate for the audit committee to run the investigation right in others it's not how are you going to help them determine that what are Mm going to be the key factors that need to be taken into consideration when they should uh, run the investigation or be in charge of it versus you know maybe it's much more appropriate for it to be internal and right. so these documents are living documents. They change, they evolve, they be, get improved upon. But you will be doing yourself and the organization a great favor by having those conversations about who does what and when and mm-hmm. how ahead of time. Because when you're in the midst of crisis, nobody's thinking straight. Right. Uh, people are vying for power and prestige. And right. um, it's just not a good thing. So it's kind of like... You 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 wouldn't you wouldn't have your operation in the lobby, right? Right, right. You go to a prep surgical room uh, with the right experts at the table doing the right things, and it's the same thing. Think of it that way. It's like a yeah. medical procedure. It needs to be precise and clear, and sometimes practiced. Yeah, in fact, exactly. Maybe that's a great way to get on the agenda. Let's pretend we had a time. What would we do? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, we, we don't know. Okay, we better figure it out. Yeah, it make when you said that, and when you were talking, I was thinking the same thing. We call those desktop top exercises where yep. you could write out a scenario and give everyone the scenario. Um, and what it made me think of is I spent some time in compliance at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, and every hurricane season we had a practice protocol because. It, there's flooding, there's all sorts of like natural disaster stuff that happens in that region. So we were prepared. We had a protocol, just like you said, um, and and we would practice it. And so I love that idea of, you know, hey, let's just throw this out. Uh, here's an idea. Here's a here's a case study. You know, on Friday at 4.30, your general counsel gets a paper saying, we're going to come in and get all of your documents. <laughs> what do you do? Who do you call? Where do you go? So yeah, good, that's a good idea. And, and, and CJ, I, I just finished a class at Fordham on crisis management with a with an emphasis, of course, on compliance. And just like a physical disaster, you need to know how are you going to communicate internally, externally with your regulators when you've got a crisis. And sometimes we forget that, right? right. We're so keen on did it happen? Didn't it happen? Let's conduct an investigation. We forget that we've got, we've really got to be communicating in a very cohesive, clear, quick way. So make friends, make friends with your Corpcom people. They are as invaluable to you as internal audit 
That's your right. InfoSec people, your general counsel, they are, they're your pals and you need to be in sync with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it really needs to be written down kind of like a protocol, like you're saying of, you know, Absolutely. This, is, this is who's in charge. Like I just, again, I go back to that desktop exercise for hurricane. Like when we did it, the first thing was, well, who do I contact? Who's in charge on Thursdays? Who's in charge in the morning? Who's in charge at 1 a.m.? And so it's like, you just kind of walk through that dry run and you'll find the gaps and you'll be like, oh, you know, we're in a safe environment now. We can we can plan for that gap because we just identified it. Exactly. Exactly. And being proactive on that is is, you know, some people might go, oh, why do we got to do this? It takes so right. much time. It will save you so much time if you do it ahead of time and you've yeah, got agree. some real clarity with people on who's doing what and how it's going to get done. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ellen, as we were you know, preparing for the podcast, you shared a quote with me. Uh, so I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit here about corporate yeah. culture. And you shared an interesting quote. Um, I think it was from uh, uh, Bill Marklin, if I have that right, that, quote, culture is how employees' hearts and stomachs feel about Monday morning or Sunday night. <laughs> you know, that's a good one, right? And yeah. how do you think the boards and the compliances role in, in this, developing this culture? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think it's front and center. And I, I'm going to go back to that comment about uh, confluence being the 2023 word of the word of the year. Sure. Uh, I, I think all of it is related and connected and how people feel. Right. Um, is is key, whether there are employees or our patients or our vendors or somebody who calls the hotline. Um, there is, I think, underlying the great resignation, um, a, a resistance and a reluctance to be subject to moral injury yes. and to not want to associate and be with organizations that say one thing and do something else. Right. So we have all of us, uh, beyond the healthcare industry, but all of us have a real issue to deal with uh, on how do we attract and retain employees because we have a culture that actually means speak up, right. protects people who do, who takes action when we know that there has been moral injury that supports the physical and mental health of the people that we uh, deal with. Um, and without that, um, the risks to the organization are, yeah. I think, catastrophic, possibly, right? Yeah. You're not going to get the right patients. You're not going to get the right healthcare professionals. You're not going to grow. You're going to have bad service. You're going to have, you know, harms and other quality issues. Right. You're going to, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's this big snowball that when you get it rolling the right way, it continues to increase on, on organic on organically on its own. And when it starts to roll down the hill, it goes faster and faster into an environment that, that I think permeates everything. I mean, it's yeah. like a disease. It's yeah. an infection. And, and once that's in your organization, it's incredibly difficult to turn it around because, um, you know, <laughs> just look how long it's taken us to get over COVID, right? Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think the board and compliance have a tremendous amount of uh, influence 
uh, and responsibility, frankly, to uh, understand what the culture is, understand what the drivers are, and to be constantly working on improving the culture. And if you have a board who never asks and doesn't care what the culture is like, yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, most organizations nowadays are doing, you know, annual types of uh, surveys that they might engage an external uh, vendor or something to do to get, you know, an anonymous feedback from a good chunk of the employees, if not all of them, to kind of take an assessment of, you know, where's our culture, you know, where do you feel it's not so good, where do you feel it's good. Um, so that, that should kind of be something I think most organizations are doing nowadays. The other thing, as you were talking, I thought one of the best things to kind of help develop that culture is say, thank you. When somebody reports something, you know, I I worked at an institution where for a while we had, at least during office hours, we had a human being answering the hotline. Um, we had a lot of hotline calls and not all of them were compliance, but people used the hotline for all sorts of things. And, and we just said, you know, say thank you, take the moment and say, you know, we really appreciate you as an employee speaking up. We don't know where this um, concern may go. It may turn out to be unsubstantiated, you know, or it may turn out to be something, but we, either way, we appreciate you speaking up. And, And I think you have to build that appreciation in many words um, over many days and weeks and months to, to kind of build that culture. Yeah. You know, that's spot on CJ. And I, I, I posted an article a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn called, uh, you know, does your compliance department have a net promoter score? Ah. Uh, because I think there's a lot that the compliance department can do if they think about their, the people they interact with as customers, it, right. As if, as if you're a healthcare right. professional taking care of a patient, That's right. you know, you, you send out those surveys to see how the patients thought the experience was, you need to do the same thing with the people that you interact with. And, you know, you need to know, do people feel that the organization was fair and right. studies on organizational justice um, show, not only does that lead to more engagement, more right. profitability, but, but also that people are willing, much more willing to accept an answer that they don't necessarily agree with if they thought the process was fair. Yes. And they were heard. Not, <laughs> they were heard, they were thanked, and they were communicated yeah. with. So right. saying right. thank you is great, but do you tell people throughout the process what's going on? Exactly. Do you, you let them know. And do you say thank you afterwards? That's right. Right. And a lot of compliance departments suffer from on those employee surveys. You know, people don't report because they don't think anything's been done. Exactly. Well, part of that is you didn't tell them what you did. That's right. It's like a black hole. It's like and, and anyone who has the courage to speak up, because sometimes it's not easy. It's never they, easy. They want to know, you know, again, they might not have the full story. And so, but they witnessed something that concerned them and they were willing enough to, to share it. It would just be great to say, look, we've, we've closed that issue. Um, I can't share all the details with you, but it, it turned out that, that what you reported was really needed. And we really wanted to thank you. I mean, just something like that, right? Exactly. And you don't have, you don't have to, you know, bridge or even come close to violating somebody's privacy, right? Right. You don't have to say, well, you know, CJ is going to be on a performance improvement plan for the next six years. (laughs) Right. But, but, you know, if, if you can demonstrate you've taken it seriously, right. 
it's not just that little warning on that coffee cup, you know, caution could be hot, right? right? We take these things seriously by action. It makes a big difference. And when you really look at some of the studies on why people come forward, it's not because it's a preemptive strike because they're a bad performer or they think they're going to lose their job or they're just a constant complainer. It's because they actually want whatever the behavior is that's happening that they think is wrong to stop. Right. And And, and they're doing it for the benefit of the organization. Like they have the organization's best interests at heart. And they're like, you know, this behavior or this action is just not good for us as, as a group, as an organization. So I want to speak up. Yeah. And it could be harming patients or it could be harming coworkers or whatever. So I I think, you know, as everybody talks about the world has changed and will continue to change at a rapid pace, we in compliance need to take a long look at some of the things we're doing and going, you know what, we could do better. Yeah, we could do better. Yeah. Let me ask you one last um, kind of board question. Um, I've seen this work pretty well, having what's called scheduled executive sessions. So absolutely. The the compliance officer has an opportunity to speak to independent members of the board. So what I mean by that is no one that's in senior management is in the room. It's, you know, these independent uh, board members and you schedule it on a regular basis so that if you have a problem, it's not like drawing attention. Ooh, why is the compliance officer all, all of a sudden having an executive session? No, it's like if you have them twice a year and then anytime you need to, then then they're there. Uh, any thoughts on that type of activity? Yeah, I, I'm an absolute proponent. And in the positions that I was in when I reported to the board, I had an executive session at the end of every audit committee meeting. Uh, and I went to every audit committee meeting. Um, And then I went to some governance committee meetings when conflicts of interest issues were were, uh, on the agenda. Uh, I think it's really important for a number of reasons. One is if it is a constant agenda item, uh, it signals the importance. Exactly. And when you look at the federal sentencing guidelines about having the right structure and authority and responsibility, um, well, having a standing executive session signals that. So the OAG is going to look for it. So will the DOJ. Uh, I think the other thing is it is a tremendous opportunity for you to build that relationship. Uh, They do not expect that you need to come up with something that you think is horrific every time. In fact, they they probably don't really want you to. But what they're really looking for, in my experience, is, and if they understand their oversight duty, is, hey, is management telling us the truth? Exactly. And you can be a phenomenal advocate for your colleagues on saying, yes, I've read that ERM report, and I agree with it because of blah, 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 blah. Right. Or, you know what, I have the opportunity to work with the CISO on the recent breach, and I really think that our, our response protocol is, you know, working yeah, exactly. 100%. Or, you know what, I so value working with internal audit because, and and so don't, first of all, don't forgo that opportunity. And right. I see a lot of compliance officers not prepare for it. The yeah. board is not going to come up with a topic for you. That's right. You need to do that yourself and you need to think about what do you want to talk about. And, you know, by the way, this is a great opportunity to say, I am very interested in making sure that I'm giving you the information you need. What would you like to see in my reports? What would you like to see me address next next quarter? 
exactly. It's the perfect opportunity. Um, yep. So, so that is incredibly valuable time. Take advantage of it each and every time. Yeah. Ellen, this has been so great. We're, we're kind of getting near to the end of our time. Any last minute thoughts that you, that you have um, that we might, I, I might not have asked you about? You know, I, I, I think that, um, it, that now is really the time. And I have a lot of my clients doing this to, to really look at what you're reporting and really try to tie that to value. Um, think about impact. Impact is a huge word in ESG circles and all that. Right. But, you know, when when the attrition rate can go down, how much of that can you contribute to how well somebody's been treated by the ethics and compliance department? Right. Think about, you know, how is it that you're, Ethic, your reputation for being a good company and doing the right thing attracts employees. Tie it to those risks. Uh, and, um, you know, dashboards, yeah, okay, they got numbers, right. but right. tell the story behind the numbers. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice. Ellen, you know, I know our listeners are like, oh, I want to hear more from Ellen. How can people get a hold of you? I'm sure I know you speak at conferences and you're pretty active on LinkedIn, but how could people reach you if uh, if they would like? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find there. I, I, I post there rather rather frequently. Um, I'm going to speak to the California and Arizona SEC meeting in February about a book club I started with a colleague called The Seven Elements. Uh, and uh, you're free to join that. Um, love to have more members. Uh, and then I'm hoping, CJ, I'm going to see you in April in Sacramento, California for the HCCA annual conference. I, I will be there. Is it yeah. is it Sacramento or is it L.A.? I think it's Sacramento. Oh, OK. But no, you I know what? It's Anaheim. Anaheim. Yeah. OK. Um, yes, I will be there. And so I will definitely want to, to catch up with you. And again, thank you so much, Ellen, for your time and your expertise and your energy and wisdom, all of it. <laughs> well, thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks. And thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, again, we'd like to encourage you to, if you like this podcast, please hit the like button uh, and please subscribe and, and share with friends and, um, and, uh, and colleagues. And if you have ideas for other topics or speakers, feel free to reach out to us at Healthicity. We'd love to, to meet your needs. Uh, with that said, everybody, we hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.